this game quickly devolved into passing around gifts of puppy dogs. <laughs> Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, Episode 4. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we lace up our boots of striding and face off against an elite ooze and three vermling scouts in the epic fantasy dungeon crawling game, Gloomhaven. I love those boots of striding. So have you been wearing your boots of striding this week? Yeah, every day to work, except earlier this week I had to wear my rain boots of striding. That's true. You know, I had my boots of striding on yesterday. I believe I got three point some miles striding around the streets of Washington, D.C. Yeah, you were out of town this weekend. I feel like we traded off last episode. I had just come back from a work trip and you returned the favor of a weekend alone with the kids for me this weekend. So while I was gone this weekend, did you and the kids play any games? We did. Yeah, we played a few games. We played t-ball. That was one (laughs) thing we played. Um, I somehow got roped into being the assistant coach of the t-ball team. Well, because you have so much t-ball experience. Yeah, loads. Loads of (laughs) t-ball coaching experience. Uh, I will say getting four and five-year-olds to understand the game of baseball might be the most challenging game teach that I have ever done. My guess is that that is correct. So what what did you play with them while I was away? Yeah, so we played some more King Domino. That has certainly become a favorite. And we also played some Ticket to Ride First Journey. So that's the kids' version of Ticket to Ride. And it's really been fun to see them grow in their abilities to play games and make decisions because I don't think we've played that one for... I don't know, probably three or four months. And I could see them making good decisions, sort of strategic decisions um, in the course of that game. And so the Ticket to Ride first journey is kind of interesting because it takes, I mean, it's basically Ticket to Ride, but it strips down some of the complexity. The routes are much simplified and there's not the row of cards. You have to make decisions. You either draw two cards off the top or you lay some trains down. Um, And there's really no points. All you're trying to do is just be the first to complete six routes. But yeah, it was it was pretty fun. And we also played a Haba game. We played Drakenstark, which is German for fiery dragons. Um, and actually, I was looking this game up, and there was box art that I saw on BoardGameGeek that actually says fiery dragons on the front in English. Uh, the version we have says Drakenstark on the well, front. So <laughs> I believe ours came from Amazon, but apparently we got the German version. <laughs> At least it has... English instructions. Yeah, but that is a super fun, super cute game. It's a memory uh, matching game, which I am bad at and my kids are good at. So <laughs> That might be an age thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, we had a lot of good time, a lot of good times gaming. But you and I, we've still gotten to play a few games in there, even though you've been traveling. Yeah, we broke out Gaia Project. We've played it a few times since we recorded last. What do you think of that so far? Yeah, that's our new one. Yeah, I like Gaia Project. I've been enjoying it. Uh, neither of us have played Terra Mystica, so Gaia Project is, I, I hesitate to call it a retheming of, of Terra Mystica, because as I'm not familiar with Terra Mystica, it seems as if people say uh, it's very similar, but has some differences, but having never played that game, I can't compare. But I've enjoyed it. I mean, they're definitely, it's a meaty game. There's a lot going on there, but I found it very, I found it fairly approachable, haven't you? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's got the a good balance of a game that's got some heft and some complexity, but it's also pretty quick and easy to pick up. So we've played it two times. I think I've only played it twice yeah, I've played so it three far. times. You've played it twice, um, and you killed me the first time. <laughs> yeah, but not quite as much the second time. But I really enjoy it. I think it's a fun game. I think we'll continue to play it. Yeah, and one reason I actually picked up Gaia Project instead of Terra Mystica 
was I had read that Gaia Project was much better at two players. And obviously, since you and I play a lot of two-player games together, that sold me on on that game versus Terra Mystica. And we played it two players. Actually, I think now I've played it two, three, and four players. And I thought it was quite fun at two players. It's one that I think we are just dipping our toe into the water with and is one that we will certainly talk about on a future show. <laughs> Another kind of fun thing that I did, Mamie, I was telling you about this, but I thought I'd share it with our listeners. I was involved in a game of Werewolf on Twitter. Yeah, I still am not completely sure how that works. Yeah, and so this is Werewolf, the social deduction game, sometimes known as Mafia. But this sort of randomly came out. One of my <laughs> a colleague who works at a, a different university just sort of threw out there, I wonder if you could play Werewolf on Twitter. And the only reason I reached out was a game that we enjoy, Mamie, sometimes in the social deduction realm is Resistance Avalon. Yeah, that's one of our favorites. Yeah, and so I just put out a suggestion. Hey, you know, here's a game you might enjoy um, if you also enjoy Werewolf. Well, somehow, so then another Twitter follower of his jumped into the thread who was familiar with Resistance and um, also familiar with Werewolf. And next thing we know, that individual began moderating this game of werewolf that all (laughs) played from this one giant Twitter thread over the course of about four days. And so there were about 14 or 15 of us playing and I was one of the three randomly chosen werewolves. So we had our own little direct message chat that the moderator set up. So each evening we selected one of the people to attack and kill. And then all day, each day, there was just sort of this chatter back and forth on Twitter among the villagers, (laughs) people casting accusations at one another. And then at the end of the day, everyone would vote on who they wanted to get rid of in the village square. I believe they got rid of you early, you said, I was the second one killed. So You must have looked guilty. I, I guess I did. But I will say that this game quickly devolved into passing around gifts of puppy dogs. I guess that's the closest gift there is to a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was surprisingly fun and worked surprisingly well. So Twitter werewolf, that was something, a fun gaming experience and unique gaming experience that I had this week. We might have to start one of those of our own. I also wanted to say, Mamie, uh, we've mentioned on the show, we started a Board Game Geek Guild, and I didn't know if this was something anybody would would utilize, but I thought, well, I'll go ahead and set it up. Um, But we had had a new person stop by, and I just want to say thanks to Brent for stopping by and joining the guild. Brent said that Cardboard and Wine was the first podcast he'd ever subscribed to and the first BGG guild that he'd ever joined. Well, it's the first BGG guild I've ever joined too, but that's a little bit different. That's awesome. Thanks, Brent. Yeah, thanks, Brent. He'd mentioned he he has a one-year-old at home and has started making the community back and forth to to daycare and i guess we have helped him make that drive to daycare that's a drive we have made oh, many many, times. many many times so welcome brent and thanks for listening mamie i see we have glasses of wine in front of us of course we have glasses of wine in front of us tonight we are drinking one of my favorite wines to pick up at the store the alamo Malbec. yeah this is the 2016 mendoza argentina malbec and the price point on this one's pretty good too right we picked this one up quite often. I I hear from a friend that they have it at Costco. Well, there you go. Uh, (laughs) We don't do Costco, but (laughs) give it a try. Uh, Yeah, I think this was a good choice for our Gloomhaven episode because a Malbec is is kind of a big, fruity, bold wine to drink. And I think that goes well with with what Gloomhaven has to offer us. All right, Mamie, you want to jump in and talk about Gloomhaven? I guess we should talk about Gloomhaven. (laughs) 
Gloomhaven is a cooperative game for one to four players designed by Isaac Childress and published by Cephalofair Games in 2017. As a fantasy dungeon crawling game with this branching choose your own adventure style campaign, Gloomhaven features an enormous amount of content, including a book that has 95 unique playable scenarios, 17 playable character classes, and more than 1,500 cards, all in a box that weighs more than 20 pounds. So Gloomhaven's drawn comparisons to games like Dungeons and Dragons and other dungeon-crawling board games. However, Gloomhaven contains no dice and instead uses a card-based combat system that more closely resembles the rules of a Euro game. Combat, which is most of what you're doing during this game, consists of simply each player simultaneously choosing two cards to play each turn, each of which has a top action and a bottom action. Once the cards are selected, each player chooses the top half of one card and the bottom of the other to make a move and attack. Gloomhaven has a fantasy theme, but it creates a totally unique world that goes beyond the usual fantasy fare of trolls, elves, and wizards. The card-based gameplay is extremely tactical, in which players try to triumph in combat-based scenarios that scale in difficulty depending on the number and experience level of the players. In many ways, Gloomhaven's a cross between Dungeons and & Dragons and a video game where characters gain experience by defeating monsters to level up and gain access to bigger and better items. Players start the game with only a fraction of the content unlocked, and playing through everything would surely take hundreds of hours. Though Gloomhaven's a fairly recent game, it's received overwhelmingly positive reviews and rocketed to the number one spot as the top-rated board game on Board Game Geek, only the seventh game to do so. All right, Mamie, that's a little bit about Gloomhaven. So, so why did we first pick up Gloomhaven? Well, I mean, I think it's what you were just talking about. The game was getting a lot of attention. Everybody was talking about it. It was at the top of so many different lists during 2017. I think we were intrigued by the comparison to dungeon crawling games and, and things like D&D. You know, we were part of one D&D campaign, and I know I really enjoyed it. And as you said, Gloomhaven kind of has that same feel, but without the dice. Yeah, without the dice, but also without sort of that open-ended role-playing thing to it. So I know, I mean, you're right. So we, we've, we have very limited experience with D&D. Uh, we, we did it that one time. And I think for me, the role-playing games were just a little too open-ended. Like I think at heart, I really am a board gamer. I like to have a rule set and parameters with which I can try to figure things out and try to understand and work within. And so I think the thing that drew, drew me to, to Gloomhaven at least was, it sort of took some of those elements of of something like D&D, but it distilled it down. It, at its core, it really is a board game. Right, and it has a lot of structure and components to it. I think one of the things that's challenging with something like D&D is that so much of it exists in the imaginary world versus in the tactile concrete world. Yeah, so you mentioned the components. Let's jump right in there and talk about the components. <laughs> oh. So choose a component. <laughs> yes, there are lots of components. As, as you said earlier, it's a 20-pound box of components. I mean, the first thing you notice when you open it is just the sheer magnitude and volume of components that come with this game. I mean, you've got to do something to organize those. Yeah, the box that it shipped in was an even <laughs> bigger box. It was a... Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely giant. But I will say this. I want to just give a nod to Cephalofair Games... I don't know if this was on purpose, but I'm going to choose to believe that this design choice was on purpose. But as big as the Gloomhaven box is, it fits perfectly in an Ikea Calyx bookshelf spot. 
That is important. All of our games are stored in our Calyx collection. <laughs> and it, it is frustrating when we get a box that won't fit. Yeah. And, and I would say, I don't think Gloomhaven's the largest box, the largest game box that we have. I think that would belong to Mechs versus Minions, which I believe is a wider, well, certainly a wider box because my number one frustration with that box is it won't fit in the Calyx shelf space. So it has to sit on top of the bookshelf, which is super frustrating and is super heavy. But but Gloomhaven, kudos to you for fitting inside of a shelf space. But yeah, there's tons of components here. I mean, just the number of board modules and, and cards. I think, like I said, I think there's over 1,000, 1,500 cards of different shapes and sizes. And all the different tokens for different things. Tokens and just the number of monsters. Yes. Little mon- lots of monsters. I think that's actually my favorite component is all of the different figures. You know, you... You have your character, and that character has a, a mini figurine. But there's also so many different cool and really well-designed monster minis that you encounter. Yeah, and, and I mentioned this a second ago, but something I really appreciate with this game is everything is unique to this game. The whole world that has been created that this game exists in is nothing that you've seen before. It's it's a totally new thing, and, and I appreciate the a little bit the breath of fresh air of moving beyond just the usual Tolkien uh, fantasy <laughs> world. But you know, the from the character classes that you choose from, it's not the usual. I'm a thief. I'm a wizard. I'm a you know you know. It's a totally totally new stuff, and all the monsters are that way too. Yeah, and all of those characters and monsters have different strengths and weaknesses and I you know those are like you said unique and really those minis I mean they're just molded gray plastic but there's a lot of detail there and and if you wanted you could decide to paint them and make them really unique which we did we did yeah if that's a kudos to Gloomhaven we have never painted minis before but we tried it out for the first time you kind of get attached to your you're starting minis, and um, I chose the brute, and you were the spell weaver. Yes, I was the spell weaver. Our our painting results varied. I was happy with how my brute turned out. How were how your about you? brute was awesome? Um, art is not my number one talent. My spell weaver is finished. <laughs> I will say your painted spell weaver looks better than the non-painted spell okay, weaver. Okay, that's true. Um, although I did last night, you were still out of town, but I had some friends over and I did show one of our friends our painted minis and I showed her my brute and she said, wow, that's really great for your first painted mini. <laughs> what did she say about she, my spell weaver? She looked over and saw your spell weaver sitting uh, on the counter and I said, oh yeah, Mamie painted hers too. And she said... Well, at least Mamie tried. That, that's how I feel about it. At least I tried. I don't know if I'll take up painting minis, but it was it was a fun thing to try once. I will make sure to post a photo of our painted minis on the um, show notes. I, I don't know that you have to do that. Okay, I will post a photo of my painted brute. Perfect. On the show notes, so check that out. Yeah, I will say one thing that crossed my mind once you know we put all that effort into painting our characters is the fact that one one aspect of this game is you don't keep the same character forever. So when you create a new character, you open a box. And so there are 17 different boxes with characters within the game box. And, and only six of them are available at the beginning as a starting character. 
However, you also get a choice of these two cards that indicate your character's internal motivation. And so throughout the course of, of playing through the scenarios, each character has their own objective they are trying to fulfill. And and this is an objective that's not easily fulfilled, but something that's going to take quite a while to do. But once you complete it, your character retires, which effectively means they go away forever and you open up a new box with a new character and you start with that character. So I spent all this time painting my brute and, and I have to say, Mamie, the thing that my brute is trying to do, I'm like two thirds done with it already and we're not that Your far into the game. Your brute is about to retire. I know. I don't think I have it in me to paint another one so soon. <laughs> well. The other thing I want to say though is I think the real star of the box, the real heart of all of that stuff in the box is the scenario book. Oh, that's true. It's impressive. So inside the box is this book of, of 95 scenarios. And, and you start with number one, but then from there, you quickly just begin to unlock new things and, and different cards you encounter will unlock new scenarios. And, and Mamie, we've played through, I think, about eight to 10 scenarios now. There's over 85 yeah. that we haven't played yet. Yeah, and each of those scenarios is unique. And the scenario book does a really great job of sort of telling the story and the creating the scene around that scenario. It always gives you an introduction for where you are and, and why you're there and what your objective is. And then it pretty clearly outlines what the outcome is based on how you play through the scenario. The amount of detail and thought that has gone into that book is definitely impressive. Yeah, so I've been, I've been tracking it, and it looks like we, we have played this game over 15 hours. What? 15 hours? Yeah, 15 hours. And like I said, we're only, we've played 10 times. We've played through 10 scenarios, and we've already gotten 15 hours of game gameplay time. And we're hardly a tenth of the way through all of the content that's in this scenario book. That is crazy. You know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who has played quite a bit through Gloomhaven, and he was saying, how do you play on a school night? Um, he's another teacher. And, you know, while we've spent a lot of time, that's definitely more hours than I would have thought, I do feel like each individual scenario is, is not all that difficult and does not take that much time. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's it's taking us with, and, and that's really with doing some of the ancillary things that go along with doing the scenario. We play for about an hour and a half yeah. um, each, each time we break this out and play. Um, I'll also say one thing that we have been fortunate about is one critique the game gets at times is the setup and teardown time. And there certainly have been times we've just left this sitting out on our table. So if you have really tiny kids or cats that are more adventurous than ours. <laughs> Our old cats don't bother it. Uh, you may not be able to leave Gloomhaven sitting out on the table, but luckily we have been able to, um, and that makes it go a little quicker. So um, let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. Uh, we talked about the components. Mamie, what do you like about the, or what do you think about the gameplay of, of Gloomhaven? Yeah, as I was saying, you know, it is a complex game for sure, but each individual scenario really isn't that multifaceted. You know, basically you begin the scenario in a space and the playbook scenario book outlines kind of where you are and why you're there. And you have an objective that you're trying to achieve. Now, so far, I'm not sure because we're only a few scenarios in, our objective has mostly been 
kill all the monsters. And, you know, I, I like the aspect of the game that you take on a character and you're trying to make decisions based on that character's motivation. One thing that I like about gameplay is when you are in the city of Gloomhaven, you can take a city event card. And then when you're on the road, you can take a road event card. And both of those play kind of like a choose your own adventure where you're deciding which of two things you want to do. And it's one of the things that's unique in that is that you're trying to do that based on your character's own motivation and your character's own strengths and weaknesses. And I, I just think that's a really unique component of gameplay. Yeah, no, I totally agree with what you said, Mamie. Um, you know, the gameplay is, is really engaging. I think the way that those cards are used. Um, so you go into battle, each, each character class that you choose has a, a number of cards that you're allowed to take with you into battle. And the cards are everything. So the cards are not only how you do all of your actions, your movement, your attacking, your healing, but the cards and the way you play them also act as this timing mechanism for not your health, but how long you're alive, how much energy right. you have. And so you're playing two cards every time. And and most of the actions you play, uh, you discard the cards onto one side of your player board, and you can do resting various at various times during the during the scenario, which allow you to bring those cards back into your hand. However, some of the actions on the cards are are really good, and those have a certain symbol that means you trash those cards. And those, um, unless you have these a special ability to bring them back, those are gone for good. Which I have as the spell weaver. I mean, I think that's an example of sort of how theme comes into play. You know, Josh is the brute. He gets more cards than I do to begin with. I only get to start with eight, but I have that ability to get them back out of the trash. So each character's deck of cards and the way that they can take part in a battle is unique. Yeah, and I want to say something else that I really like about the gameplay is is the way these monsters work. So we mentioned these... Um, there's just tons of monsters that are in the game. I don't know how many different monsters there are. However, when you set the scenario up, you set up all the different types of monsters, you'll be battling that, that scenario. And so the monsters also use these cards that dictate their movement. And so each monster type has their own deck of eight cards. And within those cards are various types of combinations of, of movement and attacking and healing and some other special things thrown in depending on the monster type. But the thing I find really fascinating and really engaging is the fact each monster type has its own almost personality based on the types of actions and the way those cards make the monsters move and interact with the scenario. I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but an example are these oozes that are probably our least favorite. And and these oozes, just when you think you've, you've got them taken care of, they just replicate. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think those cards are really, again, tied to the specific monster. So you you would encounter something like a stone golem who's got a lot of power. So when he attacks, he's strong, but he doesn't have much range. And he's very slow in his movements as compared to other monsters that may be quick, but may not be very powerful. And it's just really interesting because... It, it's constantly changing what you're facing when you go into battle. Yeah, like the other night we faced some cave bears. Yeah. Man, that cave bear was quick. He all of a sudden just charged me. He moved like five spaces and then wounded me. And and uh, and you could imagine a bear. That's what a bear would probably do, right? And you've got the serpents who, uh, the snakes who 
in addition to attacking you, they also poison you. So there's just a lot of theme that's kind of mixed into the way there's different, um, even though there's, there's very, it's a very finite set of actions that the characters and the monsters do and, and a, a very finite set of, of outcomes, the combinations of them really do fit the theme of what you would imagine those monsters might actually do. Yeah, and another thing that's really interesting about gameplay is the way that the intensity and the strength kind of ramps up. As you become stronger, there's a formula based on the strength of the characters that impacts how strong the monsters are. So you're kind of constantly being challenged and and facing an equal or a challenging opponent. Yeah, I think that ramps really nicely. And I think that's sort of similar to, to video games, like role-playing video games. And, and I actually, I, I saw somebody mention this as a critique of the game, how just like these role-playing video games, well, I used to play this game called Dragon Warrior on Nintendo. And, you know, when you're super weak at the beginning, it's almost as challenging to kill the little red slime as it is at the end to kill the super mecha dragon right. because you're like way more powerful and have the have super diamond sword and- at the end. But but yeah, no, I think that's engaging. So, so Mamie, what, what's your favorite thing about the game? What's something you really like about Gloomhaven? You know, I've mentioned it earlier, but I really like the story aspect of it. I, I love my character. She's pretty awesome. Uh, she's not strong, but she's can fight at a distance and she's got some sort of, you know, magical, mystical powers. But that the whole story around it, the fact that it is like a choose your own adventure book. And, you know, I mentioned earlier those city and road events, but outside of that, it's constantly a lot of choice in terms of what you're going to do. We have so many different adventures unlocked on our board that we haven't even tackled yet. And you kind of never know what you're going to do and what impact your choice is going to have. The different adventures that you take and the way that you solve those lead to different paths. And, you know, at least so far, I feel like the story of the game is really kind of driving what scenarios we choose. We'll we'll often look at each other and say things like, are we going to be the good guys and help out the guards? Or are we going to like stab the guards in the back? You know, we have to really kind of think about our our personalities and our characters. And I, I really love that story part of it. I think it's super fun. Yeah, no, I do like the fact that very quickly, even though we are only about 10 scenarios in, very quickly the storyline branched significantly and there are way more things open to us. We actually had decisions about what route we want to take and that's one thing we do when we sit down to play every night is we kind of do a recap of, okay, where are we at in the story? Okay, here's some different paths that have been open for us. What do we want to do today? Yeah. Which rabbit hole do we want to go down? Exactly. And, and it's pretty fun. That choice, I think, is maybe a story and choice. Those are my favorite things. Yeah. You know, for me, I think, because as, as I mentioned, that was a part of, of role-playing games that that I don't dislike it, but I don't need quite as much. You know, I can play a soulless Euro game where I trade <laughs> blue cubes in for red cubes and I'm super happy. So, so along those lines, I mean, the gameplay to me is certainly fun and it's engaging. I like that at your core, most of what you're doing is you're going in and you're fighting monsters in these dungeons and it's kind of the same each time. Um, the battles feel very puzzly. You know, they aren't just this okay, I have a strength of 10 and you have a strength of eight. And so I'm going to roll some dice and this will probably work out. So it's not like that at all, but you really do have to think about what combination of cards you want to use and when, and and the mechanism by which your characters become exhausted when you run out of cards is really genius and, and makes you think. And it, it is a lot more like a puzzle um, than just this rolling dice battle um, type situation. 
Yeah, I definitely see that. And you, you know, you have to work together. You have to think about like, what are your strengths and what are my strengths and, and sort of balancing that collaboration with the fact that you all also have your own personal motivation, your own personal goal. I, I think that aspect of it is really fun and it, and it contributes to that puzzle feeling like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And, and I'll say, you know, similar to what you were mentioning, Mamie, I think while the gameplay is engaging, one of the things that keeps me wanting to come back is the way the game does open up and expand with each passing scenario. You know, it's oddly satisfying when you do level your character up to the next level, even though all that really means is you get one new card that's available to you in your battle deck. Um, however, you do become extremely familiar with that that deck of cards because that's everything you're doing. So the ability to choose a new one that's like a little bit better is strangely satisfying. And also, you know, we should mention too, you know, you you get these perks that that improve this thing called the attack modifier deck that we didn't really mention. That's another component that I actually like. So I have heard people say, uh, especially people like me who like these strategy board games, is sometimes games that have random factors get get a bad rap. You know, there are a lot of people who like strategy games that say, I want no randomness at No all. dice, no cards. No, I want all the information. Almost like chess, right? You, Here's the situation. Nothing's random. It's all just strategy and tactics. Um, however, for me, games that involve battle and combat, if I try to think about the actual theme of that, it seems like there would be some some luck and unexpected factors that might might come into play there. And so I really like this attack modifier card mechanism. So every time you attack and every time a monster attacks you, you have this small deck of cards that has some plus ones and minus ones and minus twos, and it even has one complete miss and one two times damage that you flip over. And so in addition to the attack strength that you or the monster is, is utilizing on that turn, it's going to be modified, maybe none, but maybe significantly, um, depending on what's flipped in that modifier deck. And I actually really appreciate that because I like adding that little bit of uncertainty, I think, enriches the theme for me. So obviously, there's a lot that you like about this game, but what, other than the oozes, of course, do you not like? Well, I mean, overall, I do think it's a really, a really fun game, but something I've noticed that I don't like in these legacy style games. And I guess you could put Gloomhaven into the category of sort of a legacy type game. I mean, we are putting stickers on the board <laughs> at times. Right. But I realized in these these types of games, I don't like losing. I'm and, not sure that's just in legacy type games. Now, hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. Uh, so if I'm playing just a traditional board game and I lose, no big deal, right? We'll play that's again. True. But I feel like with these legacy games, beyond just trying to uh, win the game, you're kind of needing to win the game to progress through the game, right? And so, and, and I always know that there are new things that are awaiting us um, after we we pass through one of the scenarios that only will happen if we win. And so I found, you know, we've actually done quite well so far. We've been playing at the standard difficulty level and we've played the 10 games and we've only, we've only lost one. Yeah, the other, actually the last time we played was our first loss. It was. And I found that I actually felt strangely frustrated at the thought of having to repeat a scenario when there are so many scenarios that we haven't played yet. Although, of course, we don't really have to. Right. We could move on and just go somewhere else. And I think we will. I mean, I can't, I, do, I don't think with, with the prospect of having all of these new scenarios to try out, I feel less motivated to go back and replay one that we we lost. I don't know. How do you feel about that? You know, I, I, I'm torn because 
you know, obviously we chose that scenario because we were following a certain path and we were hoping to achieve a certain goal. And I, I have a hard time giving up on that. I'm I'm kind of determined to to see what we can find by defeating that that scenario. But at the same time, you're right. There's so many other things on the board that are fun and exciting and we have done it. So maybe we should just move on. I don't know. We have to think about that. Yeah. We'll have to think about what the brute and the spell weaver would do. See, I think the spell weaver would probably go on to something else. And the brute would go back in there and get revenge. Plunk some heads together. Yeah. That's right. And well, you know, the other thing I wanted to say is at the end of the day, you are going in and, and battling monsters time in and, and time out. And when I say that, when I think about Gloomhaven, I think that it should get a little bit samey after a while. But, you know, like I said, we've played about 15 hours so far and it really hasn't bored me yet. And honestly, I've still am excited. You know, we've played a lot of Gloomhaven more than any other game in, in the last month. And when we have an evening free, I kind of feel like, Let's play some Gloomhaven. I mentioned the legacy game issues, but to me, Pandemic Legacy felt way more repetitive than this has so far. Yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, Pandemic Legacy, by the end of it, I mean, we were definitely frustrated with it, and it definitely felt repetitive. I do think Gloomhaven is starting to have a little bit of that for me. I think it's it's just the whole kill before you're killed thing that it's getting just a little bit stale. I, I'm hoping and I'm, I'm pretty sure that as we get further in and we embark on some new scenarios, there'll be more diversity in those objectives. We, we did have one with an objective that was to basically unlock all the doors. And I thought that was kind of cool and a refreshing change. We were able to meet our objective without necessarily having to kill all of the monsters. I do think there's a little bit of sameness that's starting to happen, but I think we'll be able to get through that. I think in terms of things I don't like, the other thing, and, and this is really minor, is that there are moments when this game, to me, feels a little bit fiddly and where I found myself having trouble kind of keeping up with everything. Um, the biggest area where I see that is in the elements board. One of the things that we didn't really mention yet is that certain of your cards activate elements, things like fire and wind and water, and then other cards can use those elements to kind of strengthen them. But you have to keep up with that on the elements board by moving them and then after each round, moving them down. And so far, I haven't really found that adds a whole lot to gameplay. And it's kind of challenging for me to remember to move them around with everything else that's going on. The same's true a little bit for the other tokens for things like a wound or a stun. Just kind of keeping up and keeping track of those can be a little much for, for me sometimes. But other than that, I mean, those are small complaints in a game that I'm otherwise really enjoying. Yeah, there are a lot of little rules and little things to remember. There are lots of these these little tokens that signify different impacts that certain attacks can have either on you or on on monsters that you're attacking, like like a wound or an immobilize or a stun or a poison. And and when you're first starting the game, it can feel a little overwhelming yeah. trying to remember what all those are. And I think the first two or three scenarios we played were a little bit clunky because there was a lot of going back and consulting the rule book. And I remember after the first couple plays, I would go back to the BGG forum and say, well, these there are a lot of edge cases that seem to creep up. But I will say that I feel like after that first two or three plays, things have really smoothed out a lot and it becomes... Uh, 
it really becomes second nature to run through the playing of this game. So I would say if you do play a scenario or two or you read through the rule book and you think, well, this is way too much, keep going with it because it really does smooth out and begin to to become a little more second nature as you go. Yeah, once you get into it, you sort of get immersed in the theme and then those things sort of make more sense and you start to kind of, I know we've turned to each other and we've said, well, what makes sense with the theme? And and usually that's what matches up with the rule. And so once you kind of get yourself immersed in the world of Gloomhaven, really, those smooth out, I think. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, just don't worry too much about right. that. It's a game. And, and, you know, I'll say too, the fact that, Mamie, we have played this exclusively, the two of us, We've really settled into our own rhythms of how we just keep the game going. Like, maybe you always take care of marking all the hit points on all the monsters, and I take care of flipping the battle cards and grabbing those those modifier tokens. So, And I'm supposed to keep track of the elements, but I don't always remember. Yeah, those elements. I'm not <laughs> sure about that. Um, okay. Uh, well, one, one other thing I wanted to make sure we addressed was a very common, maybe the most common critique that I've heard of Gloomhaven, even among people who otherwise really like the game, is that the setup and teardown can be really a bear. I mean, I definitely can see that. At we When we go from, you know, the game being in the box to being on the table, it definitely takes a little bit of time. We have gotten into a rhythm of kind of how we get everything set up and who, who sets up what parts. But really, the best way around that is just to leave it out on the table if you can. Yeah. And, and I'll say, do not judge the game based on how long it takes you to set up the scenario the first time. That's true. But because I will say at this point, I can set up a scenario pretty quickly. However, I think this game, it is necessary that you have some sort of organizational solution. Now, I know there are some third party solutions like Broken Token and other inserts that I've heard really good things about. I was not willing to pay an additional $75 on top of a $150 game. So, what we did is I went out and, and bought five different Plano tackle boxes from Bass Pro Shops. And, and we literally have five different ones. You know, we have two for the monsters, one for all the, the different tiles that might go onto the board. And then we have one that just holds all of our character stuff. And so really the vast majority of everything we need to set up are in these five boxes. I know where everything is. And so because of that organizational solution, I, f- I find that I'm able to get, get the game set up in probably 10 minutes. Which, which I don't find to be any more cumbersome than uh, setting up Gaia Project, for example. So, Mamie, how do you feel playing this game? Any feelings that are evoked from playing Gloomhaven? Well, I, as I said, I love the story. And so just reading the scenario and learning what we're facing is, is really my favorite thing. I do find myself kind of sucked into the story. You know, when you're in the heart of battle, I think it can feel a little tedious, which is probably appropriate when you're surrounded by ooze and it keeps multiplying the darn ooze. But overall, I think, you know, it. the feelings that I have are appropriate for the game that we're playing. When we come out victorious, I've Feel victorious <laughs> when we lose. Feel mad and frustrated and cursed. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think it's exciting to set up a brand new scenario. And, and especially because we are still new to it, most scenarios, there are new monsters that we haven't encountered yet. And that's kind of fun. I often find myself going, oh my God, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, honestly, I think some groups probably could get even more into this game and the RPG aspect of this game. But I like that you don't have to do that, though it does have an epic feel and, and like each game does fit into something bigger. 
you don't want me to start dressing like the spell weaver when we play? Well, I might like that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So, so Mamie, when would we break this game out? You know, so far we've only played just the two of us. Um, I do think it would be interesting to play with more players. Yeah, we've only played just us. I would be curious how three to four players goes. You know, there have been a few times I could see how if we had three or four players, we certainly could split up a little bit more. And, you know, I feel like with only two, we do have to focus a little more than if we had a fourth person who, hey, why don't you just go check the treasure chest out or whatever. But there would also be more monsters with more players. Yeah, and and that's an important thing. So each scenario scales really well. The number of monsters you put in is completely dependent on the number of players. So, you know, I think my main concern with more players, and again, we haven't tried this, would be that, the playtime would start to increase as you have more players' turns and more monsters to defeat. That's true. You said we typically play in about an hour and a half, and my friend that I was talking to about playtime, he plays with a group of four, and he says it usually takes them at least four hours. I will say they are a very RPG-leaning That's group. true. That's true. So I could imagine them having a having a motivational speech like halfway <laughs> through the scenario. All right, Mamie. So we have talked quite a bit about Gloomhaven. And, and I do want to say we debated when we wanted to do this episode on Gloomhaven because at this point we have really only dipped our toe into the water. However, this is a game we have played as much as a lot of games on our shelf ever. And so I think what we, what we might do is do this episode now that you know, we're 15 hours and 10 scenarios in, and maybe we'll circle back and revisit this um, in six months or so once we're deeper into the campaign and see how our feelings have changed. But Mamie, why don't you share your rating and your final thoughts? And and as a reminder, we have a five-point wine rating scale where a one is an empty bottle ready to be thrown out in the recycling. Exactly. Number two is a two-buck chuck. It's something that you might drink if you didn't have anything else on your shelves. It would do. Yeah, and uh, three would be a wine in a box. Uh, There are pros and cons, some things you like, some things you don't like. Four is a Malbec. It's easy to enjoy, something you might have regularly. You pour a glass and you look forward to having some more. Yep, and a five would be a big, bold California cab full of complexity, only going to get better with age. So, Mamie, final thoughts and rating for Gloomhaven. I mean, I think when we look at Gloomhaven, it's pretty clear that Gloomhaven is a five. It's that big, bold cab. I mean, there's just so much to the game. It's very complex. There's a lot of uh, opportunity to play again and again, and the game is constantly growing and changing, and like wine, getting better with age. So I would definitely give Gloomhaven a five, big, bold California cab. That's your first five. It is my first five. I did give a champagne once, but that's a little different. (laughs) That's true. Um, Well, so so my final thoughts are, you know, the the more I, I read about Gloomhaven, the more excited I was to try it. You know, for a while, I think I'd been looking for that game that had the feel and tactics of Dungeons and Dragons without the necessary open-endedness and role-playing. At its heart, Gloomhaven is a board game, and each scenario is part of a bigger narrative um, that I find pretty engaging. So even though you're largely doing the same thing game in and game out, each scenario does feel like a slightly different puzzle to solve, which, as someone who loves strategy board games, I appreciate I love playing games with you, Mamie, and and this has just been a lot of fun. has been a really fun cooperative experience. It's a huge box, but thank you, thank you, thank you to Cephalofair Games for making it fit in our Calyx shelf. That's true. So bonus points for that. And, and I'll say this. This was the most expensive game 
that we have ever bought in our many years of, of board gaming. But I absolutely feel like we are getting our money's worth. We've only scratched the surface of everything this game has to offer. There's tons of play in the game. And we're still only using the same two starting characters out of 17. So I feel like there's a lot more fun that we're going to have with Gloomhaven. At this point, I'm giving it a five out of five also. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely look forward to seeing what Gloomhaven has in store for us. I think you're right. I think we should come back and revisit it. Do you think we'll finish it? I mean, I I have a hard time now even imagining what finishing it would look like. But maybe with time. Who knows? We'll find out next time. That's right. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to Cardboard and Wine. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at cardboardandwine.com. If you have any feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at Board and Wine, email us at cardboardandwine at gmail.com, or jump into our guild on Board Game Geek. You can leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Since we are a brand new podcast, it'll help new listeners find the show. Until next time, cheers Cheers and and happy happy gaming. gaming.